We know that you enjoy the Brucklery podcast. Continue to support it by referring it to your friends, commending it to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, keep the Brucklery podcast great. so delighted to have a special edition of the Brucklery Podcast. Today, we will be talking to the great Dr. Robert C. Hamilton, a pediatrician to the star. Okay, not to the stars. All right. Uh, great <laughs> one pedi- star. <laughs> one- you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Dr. Hamilton is actually very well known. He's a fantastic pediatrician. You may know him if you were to look up uh, on YouTube for the Hamilton Hold. Uh, this is a special hold of a baby to... Um, Stop him from crying uh, when they're a newborn. It's it's really an amazing. It's mirror. It's a miracle. Many people say this is just the greatest thing since sliced bread, um, and it's it's such a great uh, boon and cure panacea for everything uh, when it comes to kids. You know, you <laughs> you've got tax troubles. Well, just do the the Hamilton hold. <laughs> anyway, uh, Doctor Bob is here. We call him affectionately Doctor Bob. Uh, he has just written a fantastic new book, which. Uh, I read only after my wife stole it from me because she wanted to read it so badly. Uh, It's called Seven Secrets of the Newborn, Secrets and Happy Surprises of the First Year. Uh, This is, it's just really great. It's a great book. It's an easy read. It's a fun read. It's not too long. It's not too short. You're going to be smiling all the way through on this book. Dr. Bob, welcome to the Brucklery Podcast. Brock, thank you for having me. All right, so the first thing's first. I need to know, and we all need to know, what is the central thesis of your book, and what, what prompted you to write this book? Because I, I think I know why, but we share so much together. But uh, hear it from your own words. Sure. First, uh, Brock, before I begin, I want to thank you for having me on your show. I am totally honored to be here, and um, it is also a great joy for me to care for your lovely children. So the thesis of my book, what is it all about? Well, basically, my thesis is pretty straightforward. It's this. Babies are wonderful. They're a blessing. They're good. They bring joy to our life. They bring purpose to our life. They fill us uh, literally every day with delight. And the uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to address the current young generation, those in their 20s and 30s, and, and try to co- coach them along, coax them along to think about having children. Uh, I am concerned right now that there has been a, we're, we're putting off having children till later on in life. Right. Uh, essentially, what you're finding is that young women are, be, are and, and no problem here, they're going into careers, they're getting educated in a higher, uh, higher levels, but they're pushing off child uh, raising till not their late 20s, but now into their mid to late 30s. Right. I, would, I would even say that they're, it's not so much that they're pushing it off, they're reprioritizing they're making it that the career is first and they happen to have enough time to have children, well, then they'll do that. It's a little bit like saying, you know, I've got all these things to do to care of the kids and such, and I'll pay my taxes when I feel like it, you know, when I have the time. No, you, you got to do it, I mean, eventually. And failure to recognize that that is the priority, that the, the notion of having a family is the priority and having a lot of kids is the priority. 
That's to me, to my mind, the mistake. They 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 push it off as a, as though it's something they'll do when they'll one day discover they have lots of time and lots of money and this perfect boyfriend, this perfect girlfriend, uh, and everything's great. And all the stars have lined up, by the way. So that's great. <laughs> and then right. and then someone tells them, now, do it. Like. It's, and it's never going to happen. It, it, it kind of never does happen. And what happens is that you end up... What, what is happening in the culture today is that having children has been put on what I call the back burner. And the back burner is kind of like, we'll get to it when we get to it. And a lot of people want to have their financial life in order. They want to have their career well yeah, underway. I've heard that so many times. It's, it's terrible. And, and I look at that, and I look, I have four young daughters, and they have done, to a degree, that very thing, and I don't mind that. I, I get it. I understand it. But what I'm concerned about is if we really do keep it on the back burner, it's, we're, we're going to miss it. And I, I'm speaking now with experience from a lot of mothers who come into my practice, and they look at me. They've had their first child. They want to have another child. They're having a little, some issues with fertility, maybe, but they're looking at me and they asked me the question, why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't, why didn't people tell me to have children when I was younger? I want to have, a, I want to have three kids. I want to have four children. And you know, listen, they may have one uh, and they're happy. They're delighted with one. But they, they, they kind of plead with me and with tears in their eyes say, nobody told me the joy of having children. Yeah. And I think that the culture, listen, we need, I'm not in any way suggesting that young people before they're educated, before they graduate from high school or whatever, go out and start having children just to have children, to make Dr. Hamilton happy. Uh, no, we're not, we're not talking about that. But we're talking... Wait, wait, wait a minute. I thought this was all about a promotion so that you could have as many women having babies, and that gives you more money. I thought that was the deal. Well, <laughs> listen, okay, I, I am a pediatrician. Yes, in fact, if we don't have enough children, we are going to... I'm talking about all the pediatricians in the country now uh, who are maybe listening to me. We're out of business. That goes for the OBGYNs, too, by the way. But um, anyway, no, it isn't really, yes, it maybe sounds self-promotional, but really it's more of a cultural, I'm trying to talk to the culture. Yeah. All right. Very good. I, I, and, and you are talking to the culture very well. And one of the things I've discovered, and this book really expresses it very well, my mom once told me the following uh, sentence. She said, you know, good people should have a lot of children. Why? Because there are plenty of bad people out there. And we need to populate the planet with good people to counterbalance. We, we, just, we have that duty, she said. And that stuck with me. It stuck with me really, really well. I have three kids, as you know. Sure. And if I could, I, I, would, I would pull a Bob Hamilton. I would have another three kids. <laughs> uh, you know, if I could have eight, I would have eight. Uh, but my wife has told me the store is closed. So, you know, what are you going to do? But, but I'm delighted that at least I have three. Um, and I, my heart goes out to those people those couples that can't have children, uh, I understand their pain, that have one child and wish they had some more, I understand their pain. Uh, nevertheless, you've got to send the message to your young daughters, especially, even as young as 10 years old, which I'm doing with my, my well, 10-year-old well, daughter, saying how great it is to have children. It's one of the greatest joys you could have. It's a, a priority. Yes, it's great to have a career if you want to be... Uh, uh, an actor, not an actor, God forbid, an actor, uh, a, a lawyer, a doctor, uh, an architect, a politician, whatever you want to do. Well, not a politician either, but 
you know, that's all cute. That's all good and well. But people won't remember that when you're dead and buried, right? What, you, what they will remember, and all the tombstones say it, right? Here lies John Smith, great father, great husband, right? yeah. great brother maybe. Yeah. And it does not say, you know, he really won a lot of summary judgments in court. That's just great, you know. He had all the toys. Yeah, he, and, and, and oh, did you see his Porsche? It was awesome. <laughs> no, it, 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 what, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is, is your kids and the memories that stay with you. Yeah. And your obligation, um, whether you're a believer or not, you, you actually have an obligation to create good people. You, you've arrived on the planet, and now you're enjoying all the benefits that your parents gave upon rearing you and educating you and sacrificing for you. But when it's your turn, no thanks. <laughs> right? you, know, you don't have any obligations. Right. So I think you need to have a sense both of an obligation as well as the joy that you're talking about. You know, what, what happened in our life, uh, Brock, because we were, we were married young. I met a lovely uh, young lady by the name of Leslie, who is my uh, wife now for 45 years. And I, I was a kid, but I had good common sense and said, you know what, I want to marry her. And uh, we were 22 when she walked, uh, she came up to me, I'll never forget this, and she said, we're going to have a baby. And I could not believe it. I could not uh, it was amazing. And a lot of my friends, I was in college at that time. I was an undergraduate up at Davis and uh, UC Davis and uh, working hard, really. And to the idea of having a child in that context was really kind of very different uh, for all my colleagues. And I had people come up to me and say to me, Bob, you know what? This is really crazy. Why are you having a child? And I said, well, my wife is pregnant, you know. And um, But they, they really kind of put this kind of cloud over my head saying, this is very bad. This is going to throw you off. You're not going to achieve your goal of becoming a doctor. And I said, well... What can we do? We're not, we're not. We're certainly not going to change anything. And so we had we had Josh. And I will tell you, it was one of the happiest days of my in my life. I remember that yeah. day so wonderfully. And what happened was exactly the very opposite. It wasn't like I was overwhelmed with sadness or burdened by Josh. Josh was a blessing. He was right. a joy. He filled my life with such incredible delight. Day by day, I would come home from my studies at the university and come home and lay on the floor and play with Josh and I'll tell you what it was like I was like I I had a uh, like a, a going to the spa or something it was like it can change my completely right. you know all the worries I had about grades and all that kind of stuff you know it kind of put it into abeyance put it that way well and also perspective I think it really did and I will tell you too uh, this is a little secret I didn't put in my book but it drove me it drove me. I thought, you know what? I'm a father. I'm a husband. I, I can't, like, shine on this class. I really need to pursue it. And, and I think to a, a large degree, and this is kind of me being me, it drove me in a really incredible way. And I think I was much more driven in that I think ultimately helped me to get into medical school. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that for a second. You know, people often say about charity, for example, that the more charity you give... Oddly, the more money you seem to get back, right? I mean, it's it's well known in circles. It's very strange, you know. You, you you keep on giving it away, and more money comes back to you, and and then in turn you you give more charity. 
It's it's well documented. It's very bizarre. You would think that oh gosh, you know, you make a you know two hundred thousand a year, let's say, and and you give uh, twenty thousand, which is about ten percent uh, away. Well, that means you only have one hundred eighty thousand to play with, and then you've got to pay Uncle Sam and everything else. And yes, there's the deductions for the, but that's not the same thing. But for some reason, it's it just seems that all of a sudden you have new business coming in. You now you're making. Two hundred and fifty thousand, and then, well, okay, I'll now I'll pay twenty five thousand as as my ten percent, and then it gets to for some crazy reason three hundred and fifty thousand, and then so on you go. It's a blessing. The people that seem to hide their pennies and and their nickels for purposes of saving for the great rainy day and not giving to charity, they seem to kind of always be struggling, but the the charitable ones always seem to be making money somehow. And how odd that is. And, and why do I bring up this example? Because it's the same thing with children. Just like you said, I have noticed that the people who have a lot of children, by golly, they seem to be doing really well. I mean, it's really funny. I, I, don't, I can't think of a single family that had multiple, you know, a lot of children. And I'll, I'll say that that's four kids and up. Okay, that's a yeah. lot of children. Yeah. <clears throat> where you would say, you know, oh, well, they went poor. Why? <laughs> because, you know, they had a lot of children, you know, tuition and all that and the medical bills and everything. It just, it just added up and it was just too much. No, it wasn't because of that. It, and it just doesn't seem to happen. On the contrary, the more children you seem to have, the, the more children you have, the more you seem to have wealth. Funny that, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's to say nothing of looking into the future when you, the father, you, the mother, are now elderly you, you might be 75 to 95, God willing, yeah. and you might need a little help. Well, guess what? You've got four plus kids to help you along, and to take care of you. You've got a community True. to help you. Yeah. It's very powerful. You know, um, this is a very, very important thought, actually, because uh, we're really talking about demographics here. And the reality is that um, you don't have children. I can tell you, I don't think you have that kind of vision and foresight when you're in your 20s and 30s to be thinking ahead, well, I want to have kids so they'll take care of me when I'm old. Uh, first of all, when you're 20 years of age, you don't, you don't think you're ever going to be old. Uh, at least I didn't. <laughs> now I'm getting older, and I, I kind of go, wow, I wish I could have, I should have thought about that. But that isn't why people normally have children uh, from my perspective. But the truth is, is that this is very true. And there are countries in the world, there are countries I'm thinking about right now, like Japan and Singapore. Singapore is probably one of the lowest fertilities in the entire uh, world. Their current uh, rate of fertility by the way, fertility rates, we're talking about every woman you've ever known, uh, your mother, your, your aunt, your cousins, your girlfriends at high school, each of these women, to maintain a population stable, needs to have 2.1 uh, children. The 0.1 represents infertility. It represents the loss of life. It represents other things that happen in life. Life is not uh, is not that pretty. We all know that. So there there's that factor of 0.1. But the 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 magic number is 2.1 ch children per woman. 
Right, okay. just, to, just to maintain the population. To maintain a population. We're not talking about growing a population. But if you're dropping below that 2.1 number, you're, you're, by definition, your population is going down. Now, right. you think about Singapore. Singapore is 1.16. Okay, now that number is, that represents, really, that means if you have 100,000 people in generation one, the next generation will have about 52,000 people. Okay, you're not quite half, maybe almost half. That is a gigantic, uh, a big change, and you're going to have to figure out a way to import labor to work in your factories. You're going to have to figure out a way when people grow old to uh, have people help care for them. Uh, this is a major, major issue, and places like Japan, because they actually are an aging population, they are the uh, the oldest population on Earth. Uh, they also have one of the lowest birth rates on, on Earth as well, so they have kind of a dual thing going on which is going to be a major challenge for that nation. It's, it's a big problem. And what you develop with a, um, an attitude of, well, kids are a burden, and I want to, I want to talk about that in a second, uh, is you develop a, a rapidly decaying society, a civilization that ultimately will collapse upon itself. So you have this mantra that's going on in the same way that you have the mantra, these assumptions that somehow, like, uh, you know, we're all killing the planet by global warming or whatever. And, but, but another mantra is that uh, we are uh, increasing the carbon footprint by having too many children. Each child, of course, you know, delivering that much more of a carbon footprint. Uh, what a fancy phrase that is, right? And that, that only leads to the ultimate demise of the planet, and we must stop. Must, must, must. Um, and so the, the notion is that children are somehow a blight. And this is a mantra that's taking hold. And your book... You know, the seven secrets of uh, the newborn says exactly the opposite, which is such a great message. It, it turns the, the tide and it says, no, children are, it's exactly the opposite of what you're hearing. Have children and have a lot of children, a lot. Okay. If you have only one and, and, you know, you decide that the reason why you're only going to have one is because you're somehow being a responsible steward for the, for the planet, you are wrong. You are making a mistake. Not only will you regret it later on, but you are truly making a big mistake. You're hurting the planet. You're hurting yourselves. Um, and uh, when you have a lot, you, there's great joy. Your point is not only is it great joy to have a lot of kids, but it's uh, an obligation and a blessing at the same time. Yeah. What, in what sense is it an obligation? Please tell me about your, your sense of obligation. I think you've, you've sure. hinted at it, but I want to hear more. You know, uh, well, first of all, there, there's a little bit of an obligation to God uh, to to bring in the God factor here. The the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, God said to after Noah, He said, "Be fruitful and multiply. Go out and, and have children, multiply." And and that is something that uh, we have to kind of th- to to think about. There there's another uh, biblical scripture that talks about the man with children. In and it said we talk, we he the the scripture says, "Happy is the man and woman." who has his quiver full of them. A quiver, uh, they're like arrows, is what the, the analogy or the metaphor is. The children are like arrows that, that we shoot out into the world. And in fact, they are. They really are. When you have, we have six uh, children. I'm not sure we've said that, uh, but we have six. And uh, they literally are like little arrows that we have shot out to all parts of our nation. Uh, fortunately, many of them come back from those parts, but they're out there. They're doing things. They're productive people. 
people, they're wonderful children. And um, to a degree, uh, listen, we have a, a wonderful, I have a good marriage with my wife, and part of the blessing of us having children is we're raising kids who are who are productive citizens. Right. I, I, yeah, I tell right. people that I that my, my goal in life was to raise children who were taxpayers. Right. Uh, but, the, but the way that they would, that, that the naysayers would put it, is like, these children that you're having, they're like little Godzillas, you know, and they go around stomping all over Tokyo, destroying buildings and everything else. You know, that's that's the way the naysayers view each child. Like they, they just suck at the civilizational resources. They make life miserable. They, Of course, they they produce more carbon and waste more gas or whatever, all those things that, that are terrible for the planet, as they believe, not thinking for a moment that this is essential for the success of a country and for civilization itself, putting aside what God wants, right? Yeah. You and I are certainly aligned on the, on the God part of it. But it's funny, like even on a, on a secular basis, they should still be touting the notion of it. Like you said, tax paying. I mean, many of these people who are very liberal in their approach, well, you know, the more kids you have, the more taxpayers you have. P.S. Democrats, if you, if you want more votes, then you, ought to, then you should hope for more kids and young people tend to vote Democrat, right? So why wouldn't you be totally on board with that, right? I mean, it's, it's really fascinating for me. Instead, they, they do the reverse. You know, well, I mean, the, 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 the social structures that we have right now, I mean, when you think about social security, who pays into that? Well, the yeah. people who are working pay into it. Right. And when you get to be 65, 70, 80 years of age, you're not, you're not working anymore. You're not effectively paying into social security. Who's going to do that? If you have a diminishing population, if you have a diminishing uh, group of workers in your country, you're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, the, the paradigm that has been set up for now really nearly over a, a half a century uh, really dictates that we have a relatively large, younger population. If that begins to diminish, I mean, the ramifications of that are really, are really huge. Yeah. Um, listen, I wrote, a, I wrote an article from the Wall Street Journal recently. Yes, I, I have it in front of me. I was just going to talk about it. Please. Yeah. And it's, called, it's called, just for our sure. listeners, it's, uh, the title of it is God Said Be Fruitful and Multiply, and it was uh, published by the Wall Street Journal on September 12 of 2018, and it is a fantastic... Go ahead and describe your main thesis. Basically, it was an experience I had in the Brussels airport. I was traveling from Africa to Israel, and I got to Brussels and got off on one gate, traveled, walked over to another gate, and, and, I, and as I was walking to the gate, um, which was very far away from my initial gate, uh, all these uh, clearly uh, young Jewish families were walking with me, and... Uh, uh, I, I got to the ultimately the gate the, uh, to Tel Aviv, and the place was a zoo. There were kids everywhere. They were running around screaming. Good kind of zoo. A good zoo. Yeah. It was a kind of zoo. And, and as I put in my my article, I said I recognize the chaos because I live in that messiness every day of my life as a pediatrician. Well. Uh, then I uh, went on to liken the fertility rate of Israel, which is actually now an astounding number, is 3.1, uh, which is about double the fertility rate of most European countries. And 
the reality is that the Israelis love their children. They have, they love kids. They have kids. The definitely the religious uh, Haredi population in Israel have like 6.9 uh, babies per woman. That's a big number. But even the secular uh, uh, Israelis, who I'm talking about, the Jewish uh, Israelis, they are uh, having babies at a pretty good clip, 2.1. And for the first time ever, the actual Israeli Jewish population is having uh, babies at a higher rate than the Israeli Arab population, right. which is something that um, has been uh, an issue with demographers in Israel for a long time. And, and, and the funny thing, because I, I happen to go to Israel quite a bit, um, and I know about this, they, they say five is the new four, right? Couples are now trying to get five kids, even the secular Jews, I mean, beyond the religious ones, um, the Orthodox ones. And four already is a lot, as it is. So I ask, you know, my cousins all live there. I have a lot of friends in Israel. I say, why is this happening? They all know about it. And they say, I don't know. It's just happening. And nobody can kind of figure out. It Was there some sort of, let's say, major government push for more kids and greater incentives somehow? No. Nothing's no. changed. No. I, I, except I, I, the fact that there's been a lot of... A lot of people want to have a lot of kids. They do. They, they do. And I and I will tell you that when governments do get involved, and by the way, the governments are are very concerned about this. They it isn't like this is going beyond. You know, they're they're not aware of this phenomenon, this right. de- demographic changes. I mean, China has reversed their uh, one-child policy as of 2015. They had that for many many years. And the, the crazy thing is that the Chinese uh, youth are not having more babies. They're they're kind of still in that old right. Period. Paradigm. Uh, but they, country, they bought the, the garbage hook, line, and sinker. They, they bought it. They're doing their whole career thing big time. Yeah. And actually, the Chinese are not getting married at the same rate that they used can to get I, married. Can I tell you, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, there's a Seinfeld episode where uh, <laughs> everything relates I'm to already la- I'm already laughing. <laughs> so, so Elaine Bennis, the character, she is dating this guy who's a swimmer. Yeah. And a really good swimmer. He's a professional swimmer. And, in fact, he's so into it that he shaves all his body hair, including <laughs> his, his head hair. Right. Right? And, uh, you know, so that way he can be more streamlined. And he's really into it. And then, finally, Elaine says, you know what? You know, why don't you, why don't you grow your hair back just to see? It would be so cool to see. Because and, and, she likes the look, but, nevertheless, it would be kind of fun to see. And so she, um, she says she, – so he goes ahead and, and does the uh, – the, it lets the hair grow back, but only to discover that he's bald, <laughs> that he doesn't, <laughs> so it doesn't grow. And so he comes out of the, um, out of the, um, uh, the bathroom and he raises Elaine and he's totally bald already anyway. Yeah. He says, I'm bald. <laughs> like, like he's upset about it. Why, why do I bring up, up this story? Cause it's the same thing with the China thing. So they've, they've pushed so much for this one child policy only to discover that the hair isn't growing back, so to speak. They're not going to get more children at the end. Now they're kind of stuck with this. They, they've created a situation where they'll continue to be bald. China's going to have tens of millions fewer workers in the next 10, 15 years. Wow. And they're, they're not going to, you know, they're known for their labor. They're known for relatively cheap labor. That's been right. their kind of their, their point of leverage, if you will, in the international market. Well, that is, that will change. They're not going to have labor. They're going to have no labor. Yeah. And so, uh, 
uh, Chinese uh, products are not going to be as cheap because they're not going to be able to find people to actually do the work. Right. So this is a, has major ramifications for the Chinese, and they know it. They really do. Uh, the European countries, look, uh, Greece. Greece is in terrible shape uh, economically because they've overborrowed and they're in deep debt. And what, But one of the big problems for Greece is they have one of the lowest fertility rates in all of Europe. And you can't grow an economy. It turns out, Barack, that children drive economies. They they make people of course. They make people yes. consumers. Whether you like that word or not, you become a consumer. And you you know, I think about my wife and I when we moved from our hometown to uh, to Davis way back when, we moved in a VW. <laughs> Everything we had in the world, we put into a VW and moved. And guess what? <laughs> now, to move me, it would require about, you know, three 18-wheelers to get me from point A to point B. I, I will tell you that children drive, they, they, they totally rev up an economy. And if you don't get that, I mean, you think about 85-year-old people. How many minivans are 85-year-old people buying? <laughs> well, not only that, but, I mean, use an example of the iPhone or the, any smartphone, for example. Look, the reality is if, if we had an average age of, let's say, 55 in America, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, I don't really need uh, – I'm 55 exactly right now. I, we don't really need – to listen to music. Anything. You, anything. you don't need yeah. anything. <laughs> I just, like, you know, I want to call my friend Dr. Bob and just give me, a phone will be fine, you know, and, and if you make it easy for me where I can say, call Dr. Bob and then it, it connects with you, great. I'm happy with that. I'll check my emails and otherwise, but games and all the Twitter and the, and the Snapchats and all that, what, that, that's all for the young people. Right, and this is—it really that's what is. drives them. I mean, if you look at you know when people are trying to market whatever they're trying to market, they're not they, the, the generation after fifty or definitely after sixty, sixty-five, they're not they never market to those people other than maybe luxury cruises, you know. Right. Uh, but I can tell you, for example, just an interesting statistic: mid-century Japan, right, thirty-eight percent of their population is going to be above sixty-five. Now, if you're oh, wow. in if you're in the retail business. Good luck with that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, two thirds of your one one third plus of your population is over sixty five. What are they going to buy, Brock? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, look. Nevertheless, uh, some comments uh, from your uh, article in the Wall Street Journal, the, the "God Said Be Fruitful and Multiply" article. You had this one guy, uh, and, and and there are many similar ones saying, "Quote: Science proves kids are bad for Earth." Morality suggests we stop having them. Okay, so I'll continue on. We need to stop pretending kids don't have environmental and ethical implications. Uh, let's see. A starting and honestly distressing view is beginning to receive serious consideration in both academic and popular discussions of climate change ethics. According to this view, having a child is a major contributor to child change, a child climate change. The logical takeaway here is that everyone on earth ought to consider having fewer children. Okay, so that is his logical conclusion. Um, and then he writes, as consider a different case. If I release a murderer from prison, knowing full well that he intends to kill innocent people, then I hear some responsibility for those deaths. Then, then I bear some responsibility for those deaths, even though the killer is also fully responsible. My having released him doesn't make him less responsible. He did it. 
after all, but it's doing it doesn't eliminate my responsibility either. Okay, so this is this is the kids are monsters uh, view of the left in many, but but more importantly, the godless. And I want to talk about the godless part of yeah, it in a moment because sure. we are we are so aligned, um, and it it dovetails so nicely with the book that I wrote, Atheism Kills, and the dangers of godlessness. Okay. So this guy and many others like him, they actually believe this crap, okay? The, the Godzilla view of children. Um, offline, we were talking, we gave an example uh, of water, right? Yeah. So now water, you can look at water as a terrible thing. After all, people drown in water, right? That's right. Uh, tsunamis uh, can't have their devastating impact without water, right? Hurricanes, likewise. Um, and floods, and mold created by a flooding in a house, for example. Why would anyone have anything to do with water? Oh, yeah, that's right. Water is good for you. <laughs> water is, 90, what, 95% of the human right. body, or something like that's that. Right. Some crazy amount. Uh, water is the great source of uh, so many things, and flowers, and fruits, and vegetation. If you can't, if, life itself cannot survive without it. And yet... I could make that, that argument that we must stop uh, all water. We must get rid of water right now. I could, yeah. say, I could do the same thing with, uh, with dirt. I could do the same thing with uh, air, for that matter. And yet, somehow, people take this garbage seriously. Yep. And, and this guy, just as science proves it, um, they, they, they never give facts. They give big words like academia, right? but they don't actually follow through on the logic behind it. Um, so that's that's the godless part of it. I, I see godlessness in this argument, but also the lack it's, of it's common very, sense. It's very nihilistic. And there are people who, and, and listen, I, I'd love to have a conversation with this individual who wrote that. I, I read that too, and I thought, wow, um, children, uh, you're, you're likening children to murderers? <laughs> you know, this yeah. metaphor, I, I kind of go, whoa. Um, I think that, listen, there, have, there are people who've really bought this argument that children really are, a, are, are an evil and that they, in, they're going to linger longer than you and I do if, right. their li- if our life spans are the way they are now. And uh, they usually, our children do outlive us. And so the, if you read that, his comments a little bit further on, he says, you're, even, you're leaving the earth and you're, yet you're still leaving a child to uh, have a carbon footprint beyond you. So right. you're really even polluting polluting the world, even though you've polluted the world by right. being here, okay, right. uh, and living on the earth, they, their, their assumption is that all people basically de- denigrate the earth right. and is pollute it, the earth, yeah. and we're leaving a carbon footprint, and now you're going to even, you're going to, uh, you know, put that into the next generation if you have three, like we, we we're six, having six children, we've really screwed up the earth big time, because right. we had such a big family, our carbon footprint is going to go on beyond us. Right. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, you look at that, you kind of go, God bless you, my friend. Uh, please, for you, don't have children. We'll have a couple for you because I think this ideology is really toxic. Right. It is. That's, that's a good way. And, and the whole approach, toxic is such a good word. It's like saying the way he would, would have you believe it. It's like, well, you're leaving cyanide in the, uh, the public lake, you know, so that, you know, you dump a whole bunch of them and who knows who will drink it. But all you know is that it's going to leave a vast <clears throat> supply of death, you know, along the way. Uh, very weird. Now, these same people, by the way, and really, they are the same people. They love eugenics, this notion of um, an abortion. 
uh, that, you know, if things don't work out well, well, then we really ought to think about, you know, having only one child, not only that, but also, you know, really considering uh, whether or not people that are less, um, shall we say, uh, perfect uh, ought to continue living on the planet. Now, they won't say that today, but they certainly said it back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and not just in Germany. In fact, they, that idea actually developed right here in America. Okay, that was the progressive mantra. And who picked that up? A man named Adolf Hitler. And he, he gave kudos to the Americans for coming up with the great idea. Mm-hmm. And then the Americans, Margaret Sanger and many others like her, they looked at Hitler and they said, um, you know, he's, he's got it going. You know, before they found out that he was actually doing it for uh, wiping out a whole race. But nevertheless, uh, this is the mentality. You have to check in your own mentality to see that if you, you seem to hate life itself. I mean, how can you not hate life if you are encouraging people to have fewer and fewer children? If you see them as a blight, well, then you must hate life. Why, why don't you hate your own life? Um, you know, one of the things that people uh, who have this mentality fail to realize is that children are actually a resource. They are they the uh, they they bring new eyes uh, new ideas to the table and they develop things. There, you know, there was a, a years ago there was a guy named Malth, Malthus M A L T H U S, and he was a. Uh, demographer in way back when he really believed that uh, in fact we were going to overpopulate the earth. He was one of the early overpopulation people, and really believed that we were heading toward mass starvation and destruction. And Paul Ehrlich, about 50 years ago, almost right. to the day, he put out a book called The Population Bomb, which I read as a kid, and I remember reading that and being terrified about the idea that we were going to have mass starvation and you know we the world was going to come to an end as we knew it. Well, it turns out that none of that happened, and that we are we're very we we is a, a race. Uh, the human race is actually very innovative. We're we're very we think through things, we figure out things. I think about pollution in L.A. for example, air pollution. You know what? We have cleared the air. I mean, pollution in L.A. is radically different today than what I remember when I first came to oh, L.A. Yeah. When I was in law school in the '80s uh, here at UCLA, um, I remember it being brown all the time. It yeah. was, and, and every day was just a question about, of how unhealthy the air was. They had smog alerts, and, and just like you would look at the weather, you would see what, to what extent the smog was bad. And it was never healthy. Never it healthy. was just moderately dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And the, most of the time was severely dangerous. And, and I'll tell you, innovation has radically changed that. I think about, uh, I think about food, how we, how we grow food. It's incredible how much food we can grow now. And, and even water, we're, we're dealing with water. Water is a big issue in, in, the, in the world. And I think about places like Israel, which is, has really got this water thing down. And now they are completely water independent. They don't need a drop yeah. of water from the sky right. because they're decent. They, they can actually export water. That's the amazing thing. About they it. are actually doing yeah. that. Yeah. And so, you know, innovation, look, I, I, I marvel at the genius of human beings. Right. I really do. I, I love to, the, the creative nature of people and the ideas that people come up with all the time are incredible. And we live in a time where these innovations are not, you know, here, uh, you know, coming around every week or two. They're coming around every day. It seems like every hour I hear right. about something, another phenomenal idea. 
Look, I, I don't think any Barack and I would ever say that you know you simply go out and have kids to have kids because that's cool. There, there's a tremendous, but when you have children, you realize that the, the joy that they bring, they're they're a, a source of inspiration. They're a sense a source of delight. And what I'm trying to say is that we need to have them. And the culture has moved too far toward this idea of, of zero population growth. That was another big uh, organization back back then called ZPG, uh, Zero Population Growth. They were big, and uh, you know some women tragically actually sterilized themselves so they would never have children to you know to save Mother Earth. Um, I think those women uh, today would look back and, and and mourn for the loss that they've had. So we, we the the whole idea of my book is to celebrate life, is to celebrate children, and to encourage people. People, don't let it go by you. Yeah. Don't don't miss out on one of the most wonderful things that can happen uh, with between two human beings, a, a father and a mother, to actually have a child. Yeah, so beautifully said. And you know, um, those couples that can't have a child, or e- even if they tried when when the woman, let's say, was twenty five, it's, it's it's easier for the guy to have a child, of course, but um, they just can't have a child. Okay, you know what? That's the way it is. You want to adopt? That's great too. Um, sometimes uh, I, know, I know a couple of couples that they wanted to have more than one child, but uh, for whatever reasons, they, they, they couldn't after one child. Fine. We get it. But the, the deliberate effort to limit the number of kids you have for some social cause, that's the big mistake. Okay? Listen, you try. You try, you try, you try. And now with all the scientific uh, methods and such, you try again. And if you can't, well, then you can't. But no, but God will not be upset with you. And then you just try to find a way to be meaningful to children regardless, be influential to them as well. But if you have, if you have the ability to have kids, please have a lot of kids. We need good kids. We need, we need a lot more Christians. <laughs> we need a lot more Jews. We need a lot more people to spread the word of God and the Ten Commandments. And yeah, that's, that's right. Even if you're an atheist, you should want that. Because you know what? As an atheist, not one of you has ever said to me, I, uh, I, hate, I hate this uh, Christianity business. I hate this Judaism biz- business. But you've never said to me, I hate the Ten Commandments or that I disagree with it. I wonder where the Ten Commandments came from, <laughs> right? Yeah. So on the one hand, they hate it. On the other hand, um, they live by it. It's, it's well, they, they're they're fortunate to have it uh, as an overarching yes. uh, theme of the culture because right. if you really if you really don't believe in the Ten Commandments, then watch out. You better watch <laughs> your backside, and you also better nail down everything you have because people <laughs> steal it. They may kill you in the process of stealing and the it. Atheist knows that. And and hold on to your wife because they, they you may have someone who who tries to grab her and take her too. Right. So uh, there are you know <laughs> there are reasons why uh, God had uh, this. Ten Commandments idea, and they, they keep us they keep us healthy, they keep us safe, and they keep us sane. Yeah. Well, like I, I said, when I was an atheist, I used to say, "I'm an atheist," but thank God nobody else is. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that goes with having children too. Yeah. You know, you may not want to have children, okay, but thank God everybody. You know, That's there are other people who are having example. them too. Because if if no one, if really listen, folks, imagine a world with no children. 
no children, no no kids. Okay, well you can you can get rid of all the playgrounds. You can get rid of a lot of other things too. But you have to realize that if we don't have children, there ain't going to be a tomorrow. You're not going to have a tomorrow. You're not going to have someone to actually serve you that cup of coffee when you go down to Starbucks because there's nobody going to be there to actually deliver it to you. Right. So you know if you decide, okay, I, I'm going to do the planet well by not having kids. You know, God bless you. I can't, I don't live in your reality, but I'll tell you, pray. Okay. While you make that decision, pray that, you know, other people, good people do have children because it's, it's very real. What I'm talking about is not mythology. This is as real as the air we breathe. Oh, so beautifully said. Listen, Dr. Bob, I wanted to thank you so much for being on the, on the Brock Lurie podcast. It's been a delight. Folks, get this book, The Seven Secrets of the Newborn, Secrets and Happy Surprises of the First Year by Dr. Robert C. Hamilton, MD, uh, a great man, a, uh, a thoughtful man, a man who truly loves his work and has said how much it's still a miracle for him every time he sees a new baby. And that's that's his business, right? He, every single time. And what did you say, Bob, uh, that... The day that you no longer see it as a miracle is the day that you retire. The, d- the day right? I, I hang it up is the day I walk in to look at a, to examine a new baby and say, ah, another baby, you know, and just kind of, you know, kind of walk through without really uh, standing back in awe. And fortunately, I, I still, maybe I'm a naive, you know, uh, individual who, who doesn't want to grow up, but I, I still look at babies and kind of go, wow, yeah. what a beautiful thing. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, God bless you, Dr. Hamilton, and uh, thank you so much for being on the show. In the meantime, this is Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless, be safe, and we'll talk with you next week. And once again, thank you so much for listening, and please share with your friends on all the social sites. Tell them about this great Brock Lurie podcast. We are going to explode this and make this a huge following. Thank you. And remember, keep the Brock Lurie podcast great.